0: Okay, so we are still in the ancient church, which is, is we've, we've called 5 to 590 A.D. Um, last week we talked about church practices, remember that? And we talked about some of the church fathers... Um, some fun ones that we've talked about. We'll talk about some more of the church fathers next. Um, no, nah, it's probably going to be about three weeks. Um, anyways, today we are talking about persecution. Now for many, when you talk, think about this early church period, this is what many of you guys think about. Is this the first thing that comes into some people's mind is uh, persecution that happened at the early church. Why do you think that is? We get concerned about persecution ourselves. I've noticed that a lot of people get concerned about persecution or at least think about it, claim it. Uh, you know, Christians here in, in the United States, we're persecuted. No, we're not. No, we're not. But I hear it all the time. Uh, atheists, well, you Christians are persecuting me. No. No. Um, you know, that person who was denied health insurance, for you're health. persecuting me. No. Um, you know, we, we throw that word around kind of lightly in our United States. We don't have a persecuted culture. Uh, though other countries do have people groups, Christians included in that, but there are different, more than that, are persecuted. You know, whether it be racially based. Um, how many of you guys have seen racial persecution? I mean, in, in our lifetimes here in the United States, we had racial persecution, or we called it discrimination, but in many cases, it was persecution. But other countries, you know, they they have, you know, we've we've heard of 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 great deals where, like, this group was out for that, you know, that organ, you know, or or the, you know, this racial group or or the Muslims going after just about anyone they don't agree with, right? Um, Has happened throughout our our history. Um, When we talk about persecution. In the early church, we often think about things, I think a lot of it because we think of like Paul was persecuted, right? He was killed for his faith. Peter, James, you know, all the disciples, according to tradition, were persecuted for their faith. Um, So we do think about it. Before the year 250, B.C., I mean A.D., Persecution was mainly local, uh, sporadic, and often the result of mob actions. That means a group of people got together. They didn't like what you're saying. And they, you know, think about uh, Paul before he became a Christian. They were persecuting Christians. He was perse- and they would he would rile up the mob, and they'd stone him. Uh, that's right, Stephen. That was a good example of that. Um, it's very Local, sporadic mob violence less than the results of civil policy. Uh, So most of the stuff we find in Acts is actually mob violence. Um, Think about how many times Paul ran away from different mobs. It wasn't like the civil groups were rising up. He wasn't being arrested for civilly. That happens later. Uh, But most of it is just mobs. After circa 250, persecution becomes um, a policy of the Roman Empire, the, the government. Uh, so therefore it becomes more widespread and violent. And this will last until the the bed be- confession of Constantine, when he makes Christianity the main religion of the empire. Um. And so we see uh, different things. Um, Now, some of the numbers... I'm not going to give a lot of numbers because um, we just don't know a lot of them. I was reading some one book that, you know, they put it, you know, hundreds of thousands of people killed, and some people said, no, that's just, um, we don't actually know how many people were killed because of their faith. Uh, we know that it was violent, and we have stories being told. Um, though it's sometimes hard to tell the difference between... Um, Truth and uh, uh, fake news. <laughs> yes, they had fake news back then, too. <laughs> propaganda. Uh, so sometimes as we read these things, we, it could be hard to tell, you know, is this propaganda put out by the Roman government or by other people? Uh, but we do have some reasons for. Um, persecution, um, political, um, there was actually very little persecution as long as it was looked upon as part of Judaism. But as soon as Christianity distinguished itself from Judaism, separated itself, um, it got classified in the political era as a secret society and became under the ban of the Roman Empire that would, um, would not allow for political rivalry. And they viewed this as a political rival, stirring up the Pax Romana, right? We've talked about that before. That Roman peace. Uh, so it became illegal, and uh, and it became a threat to the safety of the Roman state, they would say. Because the state was the highest good in the union of the state and religion. Uh, there could be no private religions at this time. They didn't like add-ons either. Nothing new. So, since Christianity was rapidly growing... And um, it was it, it claimed that it was the uh, exclusive. We we hear that today, right? We're we're exclusive instead of universal. It claims that it's the exclusive moral and spiritual loyalty to those who accept to Christ, uh, instead of loyalty to Christ and loyalty to Caesar. Um, If Caesar's going to take second place in the religion, it's seen as a bad religion. Now, Judaism was spared on a lot of this because, one, they had room for Caesar in their their religion, but also because it was already an established religion. Christianity was not established, and it was taken away, and it it was seen as a threat to the Roman state. It also was a threat to the culture. Remember, we talked... A little bit about how the Romans had their, their, their society set up. You know, Caesar at the top and there was like all the poor, you know, hobos at the bottom. They had a class structure that was more of a pyramid structure. And Christianity is teaching we're all of one body. We're equal under Christ. There's no slave. No. This is a threat to their way of life. And what happens when we have a threat to our way of life? We see this. We're seeing this right here in the United States right now. People get violent. People get upset. Uh, Make laws to protect their way of life. And um, and they saw that they were trying to. Go up against the universal state, the universal church. Um, so they would clash with, um, Caesar's claims of sovereignty. Um, In um, the Roman world, one of the things that you would often do is make sacrifice on the altar, burn altar of devotion to the Roman Empire, and then you would alter your practice your religious sacrifice. Well, Christians were refusing to do this, and thus also saying that they were a, a disloyal to the government. Whether you actually are a proud uh, Roman citizen or not, they would call themselves as being disloyal. Um, after persecution begins, Christians would not be allowed to serve as soldiers until 317. They're not allowed to take place because they were afraid they would arm the enemy. Kind of interesting, huh? Yeah. not be able to to the Yep. Um, didn't want to arm those disloyal citizens. Um but Persecution wasn't just political, it was religious as well because the religious system had like altars and idols and priests and professions and rites and practices that people could see and you make money off of, you know, idol worship and the the temples were the banking system and you had a pantheon and, and... and Christians said, no idols, get rid of those old temples the which is basically saying in that world, because remember they didn 't have banking system, get rid of the banks, get rid of the the idols and you 're making all this money off of get rid of the um, and, and so it was it was something that was um, get rid of the priest and there's a very long line of people making money off of the priesthood. You know, can you imagine going into a world that's changing? Actually, we're seeing that in the United States right now or we're about to see it. People that are training to be in the in the priesthood or the the pastorship right now are going to be there's going to be an overabundance of preachers in the in the future because we're having less churches that are because less income there's all kinds of reasons why we're seeing this but churches are going to have to consolidate you're going to have less you know i know out here like we have one church but when you go out east there's like you know 500 churches right you know i I counted one time as i drove to my church in kentucky there were 50 churches (laughs) Um, and you're going to see less of that kind of behavior because there's going to be less money to spend People, the congregations are not going to be able to afford pastors. And so you're going to have an overabundance of, of, of preachers out there, the people that are trained in the pastor. They're going to have to be working bivocationally. And uh, we're going to see this in the future And because just the way our economy is changing and the United States is changing. But can you imagine as we see this, now think about it if it was the state religion. And a lot of these people were making money off of this. You had this abundance of of people. You know, our government backs up the airlines. Why? Because it provides this this economic system where you make money off of this and it, uh, economic stability. That's why we bailed out the car industry, right? Or supposedly, anyways. Um, and, and so you have this 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 system that that of uh, the religious and. Uh, of, of, of priesthood, and they're saying, we don't want any of that anymore. You're disrupting the whole system here. Um, on top of that, um, Christians were seen as atheists, which sounds really weird today, really weird today. But they were said atheists because they didn't believe in the gods. Only one god. And so they were seen as atheists. Yeah, they're seen as atheists because they didn't believe in all the gods. Because there was a pantheon. Remember, the Roman world has a, path, a pantheon. Very fascinating pantheon: Artemis and Ares, and and then as they join it, as the empire spreads, really fascinating because you have the the core Roma, Greco-Roman religion, but as the empire spreads. This god just gets thrown in with the rest of the pile. And this god gets thrown into the pile. So you have this huge pantheon of of idols and, and gods and goddesses that are in this group, and and so Christians are saying, nope, there's just one. We don't believe that none of the, the all the rest of these are even fake. There's just one, and so they're well, you guys are atheists because you're. Don't believe in the gods. You're anti the gods. So fascinating, because we're you know because today we're we're fire, you know a lot of atheists come against Christianity because we believe in God and they believe in no God. And here that how that idea has changed. Um, Christians were the atheists, and then on top of that, <laughs> there's some fun things with. Um, well, like uh, we eat the blood, drink the blood of Christ, eat his body. So that's cannibalism. <laughs> uh, we, we know it's symbolic, but you use that language and someone who's not in the group hears that. And they say, well, that's cannibalism. Um public rumor said they were guilty of public incense, unnatural practices is what one of the things they called it um, so they had some uh moral issues with some of Christianity as well. They also had issues that were social uh. We already talked about um, the class structure and how many Christians were appealing to the lower class and the slaves, and um, and it actually made the upper class fearful. As I was thinking about our class structures, you know, as I was thinking about Christians hold that all people are equal, you know, Colossians three eleven, um, as where the paganism insists that in our, um a structure of society which the privileged few uh, were served by the lower and the slaves. Christians um, were gathering at temples and theater and and, and mingling breaking the social system, I was thinking about our own social systems within our societies and how the church can sometimes become clickish or have social structures within the church, you know, where the people in power are, you know, the central and how we need to fight against that because otherwise we're just giving in to the way of the world, just like, you know, that we're not But I don't want to preach, but that'll preach. Sorry. In seminary, when, when you come across something, you say something, and everyone says, that'll preach. Um. <laughs> um, but their nonconformist uh, patter, uh, pattern, um, they were listed as a danger to society and characterized as, I'm going to use a quote, haters of mankind because they uh, might incite the masses to revolt against the upper class. Yes, Uh, this kind of thinking thinking will take place um, starting as soon as persecution begins, as soon as the the church separates. So let's think, um, well... History is not just a, a date. You can you don't flip a switch and things change. It develops over time. And so these kind of thinkings, this way of thinking develops as soon as Christians start separating from uh, Judaism. And actually it comes from inside the Jewish faith. They were starting to spread these rumors about the Christians. And then it gets transferred to the Romans and it becomes more widespread. So as soon, even in the book of Acts, we're starting to see some of this way of thinking start to appear. And then it spreads from there. So if we're looking at it, a Roman um, policy, it's about 250 when it becomes Roman policy of this persecution because of these reasons. But the idea all the way back, as soon as Christ dies, you start seeing these kind of Ideas start springing up. These kind of attacks a, a on Christianity. So. And even that Roman policy 250. Is kind of up in the air for. Is that the exact date we should use. But. That's like saying the Renaissance happened at this year. You know. <laughs> the Renaissance happens. Over a period of time. Um. So, anyways, what you're looking here, let me, is a handout of um, thank you, church problems, uh, heresies, uh, things that will. Um, we're going to talk about some of these things as we going f- further. Further, I actually got this uh, handout from that book. I told you I'd be following. Um, and it's going to be, uh, and we're going to talk some about the the martyrs and 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 pagan influences as we go. But I wanted you to have this now, so you'll start seeing some of those things as we talk about them. This isn't just just what we're talking about now. Like we won't talk about just martyr and Tertullian for a few weeks now, but. Um, um, Well, that reminds me, while well, I'm just thinking about it, we're not ready to start that yet, but I want you to be thinking about, there's, there's some issues that we're going to be talking about with the uh, Council of Nicaea, um, issues of Christ and the Holy Spirit and how that relates to mankind. I was wondering if we wanted to ha- and, and we don't have to raise your hands now, think about it, let me know, uh, we have to have at least two people if we're going to do this, but have some debate about the issues, I would give you the issues and a little bit of the background. Then you'd have to do the work and dig up the rest of the issues and develop the thoughts, and and I'd give you a starter point, and you would have to go into it, um, arguing, and I, it wouldn't be, and it would be maybe a point of view you don't agree with. Um, because you might get the opposite side of what your your opinion is. Um uh, but I thought it would be interesting to hear a debate about some of these issues. So think about that if there'd be anyone that'd be interested in, in debating um those issues. Because you would have to do some work along with this. It's not like you could just get up there and, and talk because you like your voice. You have to you'd have to do some homework. Um All right, let's let's zero in on persecution up to one hundred. Um, in this time period, persecution at uh, the early up to one hundred, you're looking at Nero. Nero is going to be the one that most people think about during this time period. Uh, the Roman Caesar. Uh, he's been dubbed, uh, dubbed the uh, first major persecutor of the Christian Church. Um, Tacticus, a historian, recorded a rumor that Nero had ordered, ordered that fires. Um, that rumor that Nero ha- had ordered the fire that destroyed part of the Ro- uh, city of Rome, and the rumor was so widely accepted by people that Nero had f- to find a scapegoat. Scapegoat, and so he diverted his attention. To the Christians, accusing them of arson and engaging in a um, Saturnalia, uh, Saturnalia, Saturnalia—the worship of the of the uh, God um, Saturn—and destruction, and um, and he will blame the Christians for the burning of Rome, according to the historians. Um and um and, and he will This is when Peter and Paul will be killed. And um Yeah, there's some some fun uh stories that we don't know if they're really true or not, but during this time period, we will know that he will use the Christians as a scapegoat for problems in the nation and blame all the problems they're having are on those atheistic Christians. Which is really common for politicians to do, right? It's not me, it's them. You know, we don't blame, it's nothing I did. Another very strong persecution will be take, break out again in the year 95 during the reign of Domitian. And um, this actually happens, <laughs> it's kind of interesting to tell. The Jews refused to pay a poll tax. Uh, because it was levied to support Jupiter. And because they're associated with the Jews, they will get to face the emperor's wrath. Jews are all the way down there in in Israel and, you know, other areas. But the Christians are everywhere. (laughs) And so the Christians will also get the emperor's wrath. And um, actually, this was during his reign that the apostle John will be exiled to the island of Patmos. Some of the fun stories we hear are things like, and we don't, I bring it up, but I don't know if it was actually true. Uh, Some of the stories are like, Christians were used to light the garden as the carriages drove by at night Um, possible absolutely I mean these people had gladiators and were killing things for fun Um, but it seems like the yelling would, would, would put someone off but I don't know maybe they were into it (laughs) yes yes the physical Christian body was being torched lit on fire according to some stories um The first, I want to say, organized persecution, Um, there's Nero, there's a, a bust of Nero, and there's a bust of Domitian. And here we see um, a statue of um, the Emperor Trajan. The first organized persecution of Christians was brought to the court. Um, took place during the the governorship of Plithy the Younger, about one twelve. Um, Plithy wrote. Uh, a rather interesting letter to the Emperor Trajan in which he gave information about Christians, outlined his policy, and asked Trajan for his judgment concerning the matter. Um, Plithy wrote that the contagion of his superstition, that's what he called Christianity, was the, the, the contagion of this superstition. Make it sound like a disease. Christianity is a disease had spread to the villages and rural area as well as the large cities to the extent of the temple that had been mo- almost uh, deserted and the sellers of the sacrifice sacrificed animals impoverished. Then Pliny went on to inform Trajan of his procedure in treating these Christians, this disease of Christianity. He says, when someone informed on a Christian, told that they had had this disease of Christianity, uh, Plitany brought Christianity before his tribunal and asked him whether he was a Christian. If he still admitted the charge after three such questions, he was sentenced to death. In his answer, Trajan asserts pleasantly that he was following the correct procedures. And he says, no Christians are to be sought out. However, if someone is to report that the individual was a Christian, they were to be uh, punished unless they recant and worship the gods of the Romans. It sounds like something else I remember in our, our history of the United States. Uh, witch hunts. <laughs> uh, follow the same plan. And, and we see uh, this, this I, I'm taking from Eusebius um, in this, this, as I, as I, I say this. Um, and this will be under the, the ban of 100 to 250 where this is taking place. It was during this persecution that Ignatius... Have we talked about Ignatius already? I think we did, didn't we? He was one of those church fathers. Those, Yeah, we did. I know we talked about him. Uh, He will lose his life during this time. Um, In his letter to Rome, he will ask uh, them not to to do... That was the guy who, remember, he said, don't do anything to prevent my death, my martyrdom. That was Ignatius. Remember him? Yeah. Um, And so he... Uh, Desire to be um, to be martyred by the lion's mouth. Another persecution takes place at Smyrna about the middle of the second century, and this is when Polycarp was martyred, which in a rage mob brings Christians before the authorities. Um, Justin the martyr will fall persecution in this time period Um, women are not exempt from this persecution as well Uh, a woman named Perpetua the daughter of a noble, wealthy family, she uh, refused entry of her father's and officially in charge of her persecution. She refused to recant, and she was flogged, torn by beast, and beheaded during this time period. Let's see, we have about twenty minutes left at this time. Why don't we go ahead and start that video? And we're gonna. This is an hour long video. We're gonna watch a little bit today, and then we'll. We'll watch a little bit tomorrow, uh, tomorrow next week as well. Uh, you guys, f- free folder, watch it tomorrow as well. It's online at YouTube. If you need the link, just let me know. <laughs> um, but we're going go ahead and watch a little bit of that video. We'll watch some of it today and then we'll watch a little bit because it is like an hour long.
1: There were apprehended the young converts Revocatus and Felicity, his fellow servant, Saturninus and Secundulus. With them also was Vibia Perpetua, nobly born and wedded honourably, and having a son still breastfeeding, and she herself was about twenty-two years of age. What follows here shall she tell herself the entire account of her martyrdom as she left it written by her own hand and in her own words. So begins the story of a young noblewoman whose acts of courageous love and dedication for her God would remain a lasting testimony for generations to come. The story of Perpetua is contained in a document called The Passion of Saints Perpetua and Felicity, or in Latin, Pasio Sanctarum Perpetua et Felicitatus. The word Pasio meaning suffering. Written almost entirely in her own hand, the account of Perpetua's fate is the oldest existing document known to be written by a Christian woman. Only the introduction and ending were reported by another person, because Perpetua came to a point in the story where she could continue the journal no longer, as will be seen as the story unfolds. But who was this young lady? And why has her story been told and celebrated from generation to generation? Born in the 2nd century in Carthage, Tunisia, in one of the wealthier shipping port cities in the Mediterranean, Perpetua was welcomed into a family of high social standing.
2: Roman culture was patriarchal, which means that it was dominated by the men. At Perpetua's birth, she would have been laid at her father's feet, and her father would have the choice to pick her up and accept her into his family, or to reject her and leave her for exposure. In this case, her father welcomed her into the family, and it is said that he favored her even above her brothers.
1: Perpetua grew up enjoying all the advantages of her social class. Privileged with a formal education, she was fluent in Greek and Latin and learned what was in her time the rare ability to write. Living in Carthage, she would have had access to anything and everything she wanted. Entertainments, rich clothing and jewellery, slaves and leisure. Everything she could possibly desire until somehow... Perpetua came in contact with some followers of Jesus Christ.
2: In the first two or three centuries of the church, the Christians would gather in homes rather than in public places. Of course, there were no church buildings, and it was just easiest to meet in the home of a a Christian family. Uh, Perhaps the host would be the leader of the church, but not always. It would just need to be the, the home of a Christian family where there was room to gather together. They suspected Christians of being cannibals. Now that sounds very unusual until you think about the strange uh, Eucharist meal where it was said that Christians ate the flesh and drank the blood. Christians were accused of incest because the relationships in the family of God were so important that they would refer to each other as brother and sister and so a husband might refer to his wife as sister so-and-so. The wife might refer to her husband as brother so-and-so and so it was, so it was suspected that brothers and sisters had married each other. One of the reasons for their secret meetings was not only to avoid suspicion but many times they would have to meet early in the morning because many of their members were slaves and they could only meet early in the morning before uh, their work days. But basic to all of the trouble that they had with uh, the empire and with the government and with their neighbors was the issue of treason. Because the Christians refused to worship the emperor, they were suspected of treason against the very government itself.
1: Roman society was highly superstitious, and worshipped many gods. They believed that different gods were assigned to watch over specific cities and villages. That belief expanded to the point that certain gods were said to watch over certain rooms in their homes, and even specific doors and latches, nooks and crannies. The gods were not perceived to be caring or compassionate, but rather deities to be feared and served. People believed that offending them could have frightening consequences. The Roman
2: Empire was a polytheistic society, which means that they worshipped many gods. Their major gods consisted of the Pantheon, the 12 major gods, including Jupiter, Juno, and Minerva, whose temples are here behind me. As the Roman Empire spread, it took in many other regions with many other gods. But the Romans were very accepting and tolerant of the worship of other gods. In fact, sometimes they would accept other gods into their own pantheon. For example, the worship of Serapis, the Egyptian god. All the Romans asked was that their new residents be just as accepting and tolerant of all other religions. The most important religion was the worship of the emperor. He became the divinity that held the empire together. And the worship of the emperor, the emperor cult, became the most important aspect of Roman religion. Christians fell into trouble because they could not accept or tolerate other gods. They worshipped only the one true God. And so Romans became suspicious of them when they would not worship the Roman gods. They were afraid that the gods would turn uh, against uh, the Roman Empire and bring disfavor. In fact, whenever there was a flood or a famine or, or a plague, the populace would call out, send the Christians to the lions, and so persecution would come up simply because they feared the Christians and suspected them when they would not join in the other Romans in their worship of the Roman gods and the emperor.
3: Their world that they lived in was a life full of gods. Before you would be able to trade uh, to get food or any of these other kinds of things, it was expected that you would make an offering to the god of mercury. It was the god of commerce or this other god, and and really what happened was the main trading area, the mall, if you will, was surrounded by temples, and so these temples overshadowed these main areas, so the life that they lived was perpetually surrounded by gods and and, uh, these other
1: spiritual being kind of things. It was in the midst of this multi-god culture that Perpetua came to know about Christianity and soon thereafter decided to become a Christian herself. However, this was no small decision. The early church placed strong emphasis on a new convert receiving a solid foundation in their faith. Becoming a Christian took time, as it meant a complete change of lifestyle. In the New Testament,
2: we see people receiving Christ and being baptized immediately. But when we get later into later centuries of the church, it was decided that the, uh, the new believers, those who were interested in Christianity, should be given a period of time to study the theology and understand the commitment that was involved, especially during a time of persecution. And so we have the development of the catechumenate, a period of time when these new believers would be trained. And so we refer to them as catechumens, We refer to the teachers as catechists. And the idea is that they would be taught the principles of Christianity. And this uh, period of time could last up to three years.
3: One of the reasons they did all of this training ahead of time, what do you believe? Who is Christ? Who is God? Uh, What's the Holy Spirit? Uh, What's appropriate Christian life? They went through a lot of training on this because there was uh, this concept that Once you entered into the life of the church, you were fully in the life of the church. And when you were baptized into the church, it meant that you were probably going to undergo persecution, and you might
1: lose your life. Although there is no documentation as to how Perpetua came into contact with Christianity, her account tells us that she was joined in her conversion by two of her slaves, Felicity, who was eight months pregnant, and Revocatus. Other fellow catechumens included Secundulus and Saturninus. These five embraced Christianity together and no doubt eagerly looked forward to the teaching that would initiate them into the church and help them become strong witnesses for their faith. Little did they realize, however, that a twist of events would catapult them into a situation that would try their faith to the limit.
2: In 202, the emperor Septimius Severus issued an edict prohibiting anyone from converting to Christianity. The motivation behind this edict is not certain. It may be because Septimius Severus had just associated himself with the god Serapis in Egypt and he wanted to enhance that cult. It may have been because as he was traveling in Egypt he recognized that Jews and Christians were becoming more influential in the east and he wanted to curb their impact on the empire. What we do know is that the persecution was strongest in Alexandria of Egypt and also in North Africa, which was the home region for Septimius Severus. We also know that the hardest hit by the persecution were new converts and their teachers, those such as Perpetua and her friends and Saturus.
3: And they would try to target specific groups hoping that if you put just enough pressure on these, on a small pocket, say, of the Christians, then the rest would give up on, on what they're believing and rejoin society. The idea was not to, to put to death a, a ton of people. What, what good would that serve the greater good of the state or the greater good of, of the gods? Instead, if we can take just a few out and make examples of them, Hopefully, the rest of the people will convert.
1: It is here where Perpetua's account begins. She and her fellow believers have been arrested for converting to Christianity, and she has been placed under house arrest. Although her account states that she was honourably wed, there is no mention of her husband once she is arrested. There are speculations that he was either away at the time or, more likely, that he was not a believer and abandoned Perpetua to her fate once she was determined not to renounce Christ.
2: Somehow she has been discovered as a new convert and so she has been indicted for breaking the edict of Septimius Severus against conversion. And so she, the other servants, uh, the other catechumens, were indicted, they were under legal surveillance awaiting the time when they would be taken to the prison. Of course this upset the, the noble family of uh, the Vibia household.
1: Perpetua wrote,
2: While we were still with the persecutors, my father, for the sake of his love for me, persisted in trying to turn me away from my faith and to cast it down. After she was indicted for converting to Christianity, she was placed under house arrest. It may be that because of her father's wealth and position, she was released to his custody. While she was here, her father came to her and attempted to persuade her to renounce her faith in Jesus Christ. But Perpetua pointed to a vase and said, Father, can this vase be called by any other name than what it is? And her father had to say, no. And she said, in the same way, I cannot be called by any other name than what I am. I am a Christian.
3: She's very careful uh, in, in playing down.
0: Before they start complaining, just <laughs> I'll send them the link because it is on YouTube. Everyone can watch it. Um, so, um, um, yeah, we'll finish it. We'll finish it here next week if you guys want. If uh, if you guys are okay with that, were you guys enjoying that? Yeah, interesting story, Perpetua. Uh so we'll finish that next week as well and uh, and we'll talk um, about persecution after two fifty for whatever time we have left after the video so um, yes, so do we have any questions, comments, concerns? She was born into the royal family. She was born into a noble family. Um, Yeah. Um, Very wealthy family. Oh, yes. Well, that is part of Roman society. They didn't have abortions back then. So when... was both. What see you